theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston press to ATO. Three, two, one. Hello, Quinn. How Hello. are thou? Great. How are you, my love? I'm good. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think that it's something that's been on our mind quite a bit. Yes. And I think there's great potential with it. Yeah. We're really excited to talk with you all today about this place called Bitcoin Beach. Yes. This is a location in El Salvador on the West Coast, and it's a surf town. And not too long ago, maybe a year, year and a half or something like that. It was 2019. The one... There's so many different stories of how this came to be, but basically this beach town, which is a small, very small beach town, it's actually smaller than our little island of treasure, it embraces utilizing Bitcoin as a primary form of currency. As many of you probably know, El Salvador uses the U.S. dollar as their primary form of currency, and only recently the president of El Salvador said that Bitcoin can be used as a form of, of, t- of legal tender. tender. Yeah. yeah. So basically when we were in Miami, that was like one of the biggest announcements. That was one of the most profound announcements to us on such, it was like a visceral reaction. We both had like, wait, what just yeah. happened? Because, okay, look, El Salvador, super, right close to where we, we live, like literally Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, We've been Honduras. a few times now. We've been quite a few times. And the fact that the president actually came on screen at the conference and said, we are now recognizing, we're going to pass a law that recognizes Bitcoin as a legal tender so that mm-hmm. basically it can be used to, um, you know, pay off all debts, taxes, mm-hmm. and, and, and take out loans and whatnot. So they have the U.S. dollar, which basically it's called, they got dollarized, right? So <laughs> they, they, they went on the U.S. dollar in 2001. Um, mm. So they don't have their own currency necessarily right now. So right. that's what they use. And um, obviously you can kind of, right now the U.S. Is, has been, or it has been printing quite a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, specifically to ensure, you know, their stimulus checks that, you know, unemployment is, um, you know, enough for people to get by, whatever, just basically trying to get our economy back up off the ground. Right. Now, whether or not that's the best way to do it is one other conversation we're not going to have. But no. what happens when a country is not in control of their own currency and that country who is in control is in control of it is printing a lot well they don't really have a lot of control over that they have right? no voice in that they conversation have no voice. at all and their citizens aren't getting stimulus checks like the americans are but so yet they're fully dependent on what actions are or decisions are made by the united states yeah exactly so um basically i mean this young president he's he's rel- actually very young mm-hmm. um the president of El Salvador came out, you know, and on on the screen in, in Miami, just said, "Yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pass a law." The law did pass by a supermajority, mm-hmm. which meant it was like over two thirds vote. It was almost um, three quarters, which is really amazing. Through their Senate, yeah, yeah, through their Senate, and you know, basically, they have ninety days to roll out what that's going to look like, and they've got all these plans and whatnot. But that's not really what we're talking about. We're going to be ta- we're talking about Bitcoin Beach, like where. Before this even happened this year in twenty nineteen, there was something going on in El Salvador, in a little beach town called El Zante. Mm-hmm. And, and this was the seedling to what led to the president making that announcement. It is. And this beach town has really focused on educating their people on the benefits of using Bitcoin 
as currency. The There's so many things we could talk about with this, but I've been watching a lot on it. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and, and, and it's been fascinating. The one thing that I'm very curious about is will this not only be the seedling that got El Salvador's president to take action on a country level, but could this also be the seedling that leads to more countries around the world? And it all started with this little tiny town of <laughs> which which is it's not officially renamed Bitcoin Beach, but that is what everyone knows it as. And I guarantee you, if you go to El Salvador and you arrive at the airport and you say, I need to go to Bitcoin Beach, they'll know exactly where to take you. Yeah, exactly. It's like you you see Bitcoin everywhere. It's It was the first and only place for a while that there was an ATM, a Bitcoin ATM. Yeah. And because um, there is no ATMs there because you if it's an ATM it's a US dollar ATM yeah and so they have Bitcoin ATMs there and most almost all the vendors except Bitcoin yeah like so that was kind street of the, food yeah that was kind of the most amazing thing when we really started learning about this was we had heard about it from our friends actually who like had already known a little bit about the, what was going on there essentially it was a, like a retired uh, like a guy a young slash older guy uh, he's, he's young by retirement standard yeah, I, I would say Michael yeah he, he was a surfer guy. He wanted to retire, went to this beach town area, had a Bitcoin wallet, received, ended up receiving a, like a pretty substantial Bitcoin donation by an anonymous donor, which mm-hmm. they still won't tell who it was. Yeah. We have our own theories of who it might be, but <laughs> we're not going um, to say that. But I think um, when that happened, it was like, well, why, what are we going to do with this? Well, how can we incentivize people to like pick up? It was like, it started small. Like, why don't we incentivize people to pick up trash on the beach? Like, mm-hmm. what are, what are, what can we do with this? And that. I think they quickly started to realize, well, what if we actually got people, we need to educate people on Bitcoin, like how to actually use it. Why would they want to use it? Like if they're, if they're only using the U S dollar and they're used to only using cash, but Mm -hmm. everyone has a cell phone, how can we really educate the population? Right. And so that's kind of what their mission was is they were, they were really trying to get the pupusa lady on the street to accept and to understand how to accept it herself. Yeah. So why don't we talk about it? What are the advantages of people in that town utilizing Bitcoin as a means of exchange? Well, as a means of exchange, first of all, it's really fast. So mm-hmm. right away, if you don't have the cash, I mean, the, the transfer of the the payment is instant, right? It's, yeah. So you got to use a lightning network, which I don't want to get too complicated on things, but I do think it is important because a lot of people, when you hear the news, it's, it's, it's established that if you're just doing an exchange of Bitcoin, it's it requires 10, I believe it's 10 transaction validations and it, the transaction cost can be quite a lot of money. But if you're doing it on a smaller scale, it could be on a second layer. And this second layer makes it instantaneous with very, very, very tiny transaction fees. Yeah. And um, it's it's their way of being able to, you know, that people are doing this successfully in China with a centralized currency you know yeah. they scan a qr code and we saw it in thailand too like you mm-hmm. go to um a, a, a restaurant and they say ali paying you scan the qr code you type in how much money you want push yeah. enter send it's kind of like venmo yeah but this is decentralized and there's a lot of benefits to it beyond the speed of transaction i think security is another big security one security is a big one but what you said, the low transaction fees are huge. They're, the low transaction fee on both ends, on the merchant end and on the customer yeah. end, so minimal. So basically just- Less than credit cards. That's basically what's going on now is 
and we know this because we live there. Almost no, if you're buying street, if you're buying food off the street, you're going into the local tienda, you're going, you're, if you're buying things locally in Central America, you're using cash. You are not using a credit card. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time. I don't even remember if I ever used a credit card in Nicaragua or Guatemala. I actually can confidently say we never did. Yeah. So what's happening with this in the, with, with the lightning network, Bitcoin, you know, basically transferring Bitcoin to be able to, to complete these transactions, low cost instant just like what it feels like when you do a credit card but what's going to happen is they're going to leapfrog over the credit card because the merchant if you really think about it the merchant has to take on a lot of the credit card fees right mm-hmm. there's usually a three percent credit card fee um, with american express there's even worse credit card fees for the merchant so they don't even want to accept it right. so they have to incur that so by using this lightning network by transferring you know bitcoin from one wallet from the customer to the merchant um, and the merchant actually accepting it mm-hmm. it is it convenient for the customer mm-hmm. and for um, the merchant because they get it instantly? There's no yeah. like wait time between like having to go through like a clearinghouse it, or something like it, that. It is really like it, I don't think people understand the term digital cash. It's peer to peer. Yeah. I get this banana. I give you this dollar. There you go. The exchange is done. I don't really need all these extra uh, security functions in case yeah. one person's like you open the banana and there's a worm inside. Like, yeah. I think I can make that transaction. No problem. Let's, let's, here's a dollar. Give me a banana. And now you can do that in that town with your own account. Like it's your own bank. You are essentially having a bank where it's all in your wallet. It's more difficult for people to steal from you Mm -hmm. if you do the right things. And that's where a lot of the education comes in, but it's way better than having Oh, your cash underneath your bed. How yeah. at, at a certain point, it's like, what do I do with all this when I'm trying to save? And now I have this cash under my bed. And with one second, someone could just, I mean, you got to go to work. Someone comes in, boom, bang, gone. It's gone. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's much more secure. There's so many different advantages. And I think the main thing that Bitcoin Beach, this group, was really trying to do is they were really trying to educate people on this. And honestly, I mean, we've talked about this, how, how many people in... Um, in Nicaragua and Guatemala that we worked with were unbanked. And this is a very, this is, this is definitely something that is ubiquitous throughout Central America is there are a lot of people who are completely unbanked. They do not have a bank account. Mm -hmm. They don't have a credit card. It is just a cash peer to peer system, but it's not a very secure system because well, there's, and and, and, and there's no security with it. right? Right. So what's really been so fun to me is is just conceptualizing seeing this actually happen it's not just a concept it's not a conceptualization this is actually happening in el salvador it has been happening since 2019 in the town yeah in the town but 70 percent of el salvador's population is unbanked just think about that potential only 30 percent of people have a bank think about planet earth it's something that as us as americans we take it for granted we we don't even think about it it's one thing for an individual to not have a credit card but it's really rare to find someone who's you know in their 20s and they don't have a debit card or they don't have they're not they don't have a partnership with a bank and you know like how do you cash your freaking checks it gets so complicated well it's super rare for anyone our age and younger to even say that they use cash on a daily basis. I, right. I, I asked my students one time, how many of you know how to write a check? No one person knew in the whole <laughs> class. Like, whoa, okay. It was for rent. For rent. That was it. And that, like, she's like, oh, my mom had to teach me before I came here. Okay, yeah. wow. That's pretty interesting. So we're in a generation where people aren't using cash. 
but we at least have a banking system where people have access to being able to use yeah. at least a debit card if they need to get, you know, they don't have to actually yeah. exchange cash with I, anything. I don't even think people in the United States really look at it as much of a benefit as just a part of society. Right. Like this is how we do things. And I don't really know. And I don't think a lot of people think about how much benefit there is to being banked because it's just, it's, it's the normal way of life. And if you really think about it, if, if we didn't have those middle uh, companies to store our money or to provide credit, you know, so we can go buy things. And then at the end of the month, we make a payment. These little things that we take for granted more often than not, they make America what America is. Yeah. It, it is what gets the, a country from developing to developed. Yeah. It's what brings people uh, from poverty, living on $2 a day to think about the lifestyle difference of living off of 4 or $5 a day yeah. just by having savings yeah. and not having to live, uh, what is it, uh, what's the term, uh, just like by the last minute, you're like, oh, I need to go get food. And so yeah, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, I can't, I can't go buy the beans in bulk. I got to go buy beans on a daily basis. Well, you're going to lose money if you have to buy beans on a daily basis versus being able to buy more in, in the first place. Like that's kind of like yeah. banking 101. Yeah, right? it is. Well, and also another aspect of it is that there's no way for them to actually ever grow their money. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the currency gets devalued over time due to control. inflation, it's completely out of their control and they right. have no way to actually borrow money at a good rate and they have no way of actually increasing their money over time, which is, to me, it is, it is such a huge disadvantage. I can't underscore that enough of how lucky we are to be able to be in a country where that is available to us because we lived with people. We have friends who still don't have this available. So this is Bitcoin Beach is a really profound project. And the announcement from the president was, I mean, I, I still get chills every time I talk about it, honestly, mm-hmm. because the effects of that, of, of, literally not just an institutional bank saying, yeah, we'll put some money in here with Bitcoin or, you know, hedge fund saying, okay, we'll diversify your ability to invest into other assets, including Bitcoin. That is so not what I'm interested at all. in. it's the institutional acceptance by a country that Mm. allows for their population to potentially leapfrog over what is unnecessary to build. Like you Mm. don't, just because America was built this way, we have a bunch of intermediaries that are so unnecessary at this point too, where technology is making them fear for their life, honestly, for their their livelihood and existing and being needed. But that's what happened when intermediaries come when there's opportunity to get a little buck here or there, right? Intermediaries are just middlemen who make things happen. But if there's a way for a country like El Salvador to leapfrog over the Mm. need for those and to actually accept and take this new technology in and their population gets the ability to have a currency that yes it is there is volatility to it relative to the u.s dollar Mm -hmm. but it's a deflationary currency that they can actually borrow more with without having to go to like a loan shark that will completely ruin their life and be in debt for to them forever there's a there's an ability for them to actually loan it out to other people so that they could gain interest on it Mm -hmm. and what's interesting is that they're not because um, bitcoin is accepted as a legal tender in el salvador one of the interesting things that is a part of the bill is that they don't see the rise the increase of um, bitcoin's valuation as capital gains. Yeah. They actually well, just see it as de- currency. That's delicate too, because sometimes it drops in price a lot. It is. But I yeah. think that the best way to view the path that Bitcoin is, the direction it's going into is 
it's going to become less volatile. And if you look at the price, uh, the swings, the ups and the down, they are shrinking relative to the percentage rate. Yeah. You know, so if you, it, it's getting closer to, I think the end point, like if we go, go into the future, maybe five, few years, we're going to get it to be as stable as like gold per se. Yeah. Once it's more understood and people, you know, that's that's the the thought behind it. And what has gold done over the long term? It's only gone up, but it's only gone up incrementally. And yeah. when it's stable like that, then it may be something where people are able to use with transactions all the time. But nowadays, you can do it in Bitcoin, have it attached to another currency of your choice, yeah. and then hold it there, and that will that will uh, set up the stability with making sure that your money stays the same. But at the same time, there's also great potential of, you know, if Bitcoin does go up in price, you might have missed that boat because you chose to keep it safe. Yeah, that's true. There's a trade off with that. But I think one of the one of the many amazing things at Bitcoin Beach through their educational programs with the local community is that they're really trying to not only have like teach people how to accept it, teach people how to transact with it, which is all actually I know. Most of the people I know in my life don't even know how to do this with the, with the Bitcoin wallet, with a mm-hmm. Lightning Network. They have not ever done this. So it's yeah. amazing to me that people in El Salvador are doing this. And, and they're teaching them that. But what they're also teaching is they're teaching basic uh, banking personal finance yeah. skills as well. So, okay, you're a merchant. You want to accept Bitcoin. That's great. Well, just know like maybe you could consider you transact with Bitcoin. You accept it. You can also, you know, basically transfer that back into fiat, into U.S. dollars if you really want. Instantaneously. Minimal, minimal fees. Very like minimal so fees. We're talking pennies here. Yeah, pennies, exactly. Like that's that's the beauty of this Lightning Network and transacting with over Bitcoin over the Lightning Network with wallets, but th- with digital wallets. And I think that one of the really great things too is that they're saying, well, you could also start saving. And this is a really huge part that mm. a lot of people... I mean, yes, in the in, a, in the United States, miss the whole boat about savings. But people in Central America, to be taught this in conjunction with Bitcoin, it's like you are actually, if you really think about it, if a merchant and a customer really go through this educational process and actually do save 25% of every Bitcoin that they make or that they keep or whatever, and the rest is just being used by transactions, think about how much more advanced they are than the average person even in the United States when it comes to Bitcoin and that technology. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So not only are they getting the basics of, hey, maybe you want to just save because that could increase in value. That is a good store of value. Mm-hmm. The US dollar is not necessarily the best store of value because mm-hmm. you have no control over that. Right. You could still transact with that all day long, whatever you want, no problem. And if you really want, you can convert the Bitcoin into US dollar right away. But consider maybe keeping 25% of all that Bitcoin over here in mm-hmm. your wallet yeah. and don't touch it and then just transact the way that you normally want to right. it's really it could change lives i know mm-hmm. like and it already is yeah and so there's still a long ways to go i mean this bill hasn't actually been implemented it's been passed but it'll be implemented in september yeah. of this year and we'll see what happens it'll oh, be interesting i want to give one more brief example of how beneficial this is because we're talking basically the the, the utopian dream is that it's frictionless and borderless and one example of an individual who lives on Bitcoin Beach, a local, is he used to have to go on a one-hour bus trip just every month to pay his electricity bill. Yeah. He would have to go there. That's one hour one way. Then one hour bus trip back with the time of him being in that town that takes 
another hour. It was a three-hour trip, and we definitely experienced that hands-on in San Juan del Sur when we went to Rivas to go to the bigger market yeah. to go get things that you can't get in your smaller uh, in San Juan del Sur. It was a journey. It's like all day. This is what we're doing. That's a yep. full day off of work, or that's a full day that you were going to take for rest or whatever it was that you wanted to do. You have to do that just to pay electricity. United States takes it for granted. It's literally automated. Just pull it out of your account. Like we just don't even think about it, but that they transitioned the electricity uh, company, the agent or whatever, where he accepted Bitcoin payment. So the way that it was set up was the guy would use his phone. He would say, I'd like to make, he would text the guy and say, I'd like to make my payment. He goes, okay, here's my wallet address. He scans it. He sends the money and takes a screenshot of the transaction. And then boom, it, he gets a text message saying, congratulations, it's been paid. Boom, done. Save. It was a process that took an hour. Now it took 15 minutes. An hour to get there. Oh, yeah, an hour to get there. And then to get back on the bus. So three-hour full trip became 15 minutes. And that's that's one example. But I do want to extend this beyond El Salvador. And I ideally want to extend it beyond developing countries. Why is it beneficial? I have, we have, we both have a lot of answers for this, but I want to hear your thoughts. Why is it most beneficial for a borderless frictionless digital currency around the world that's decentralized what is the benefits to that happening in the world around the world yeah macro level macro level well there's a lot there are a lot of reasons why i'll just touch upon one of them i guess and i want to hear what you're connecting with right now yeah the one that the one that i really connect with is just the ability to like truly become a global citizen. Like there's no borders. There's no, you can actually do business with anyone wherever they are, no matter what. And I feel like that's a freedom thing. That's a very much something to do with freedom that we, we, ha- we feel like we have, but we don't really truly have that quite yet. And the mm. be- like, I do think that that has a lot to do with obviously, I don't know, some people don't like true freedom, I think, you know, in terms of like the ability to transact anywhere and everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. some people like, I, this is my bank. It's my small town bank. I know mm-hmm. what it is. I know what this is, you know. And in some ways, that global economy, the ability to re- really truly do business and transact and seek other opportunities around the world can be overwhelming. But I do feel like regardless of where you are in this world, it if you have that ability to do that, from the UK to El Salvador or in Singapore to the United States, you're able to transact frictionless no matter what, mm-hmm. where you are. I mean, it just opens up new opportunities that mm. we can't even imagine quite yet, you mm-hmm. know? And and that's just to kind of, I know we're not going back, we're not going to talk specifically about El Salvador, but that is another thing that this opens access to um, the citizens of that country as yeah. well. Is, well, El Salvador is like the minimum viable product. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at the lean startup this is where it's happening right yeah. now. And we can learn from, we, we, we're learning from the one little town. Yep. We're soon going to be learning from, honestly, that little country. Yeah. And then we're going to be learning from other countries. And there's going to be so many lessons. And some of them won't be uh, transferable lessons because mm-hmm. of cultural differences and so yeah. on. But I think with time, it's going to get uh, more refined and would really truly address the specific problems that each 
location has yeah. for each individual. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very enthusiastic about this potential behind it. I'll I'll I'll, t- I'll say mine unless you have anything. No, else. you go ahead. So I think that the the thing that makes me excited about a global decentralized currency is our way forward to attain a, a better world for everyone is together. When I look at problems like global uh, warming, warming, there are issues that can only be addressed if we all do it together, like on a country level. If one bad, if one country says, I'm not going to go and lean into this, then it pushes everyone back that much further. Yeah. And I think that if we want to meet our highest potential as a human race and do it in the fastest, most efficient way possible, it's going to have to be together. And yeah. therefore, it needs to be decentralized. And therefore, it needs to be without borders and completely frictionless yeah. or as frictionless as possible. I understand that sometimes you might have to have some type of a transaction fee, but as minimal as possible. Yeah. And I think that is what this technology has potential for doing. And I believe that it's just a matter of time, personally. Yeah. But yeah, I well, want to see more progress happen. Me too. I mean, the, the truth is, I mean, we've lived in countries where the currency does get devalued. It's not just the dollar. The dollar is, you know, that's a, a whole different kind of a story, I think, yeah. in relation to El Salvador. But even in Nicaragua, I mean, the Cordoba, or, you know, there's there's currencies all over the world where the currency can be manipulated yep. depending on who's in control, right. what kind of government you have. I mean, China is a real example of this too, where it's like the control is so real and strong. Mm-hmm. Like it's super difficult to, to get out of the reins of that, right? And if the government doesn't want you doing, uh, want you transacting with this person over here in Singapore, even though it's the best opportunity of your whole life, well, they have control of not allowing you to do that. And right. so there's a lot of, you know, I think that the the borders that we have right now and the different currencies and whatnot, they, like you said, it it, does, it prevents a lot of things from happening. A lot if of really, progress, in really, my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. If we really want true human progress to reach its peak or to, to at least be in, progressing that way. High, high, high rate. Yeah, we need to have the same currency together. I, I mean, we've said it many times. We want to see all humans. We view all humans as being equal. Right. We've said it time and time again. It was a big decision for us when we left Nicaragua and moved to Guatemala. And we made the decision that we're going to supply uh, school supplies to anyone who needs them. And we're going to continue to do it in Nicaragua. But now we're going to expand to Guatemala because all children are equal. And if there's a need in one place or another, who's to say this person is more deserving of it than this person? And so... When we're looking at the world, and perhaps one could argue, Jonathan, you're way too optimistic about this, but I want to see everyone have a better life. I don't think that there's anyone that doesn't deserve a better life just based on where they're born or their situation. Totally. And when there's technologies such as Bitcoin that can contribute to helping uplift the life of others, I'm all about it. And I'm excited to see what can happen uh, from it. And I'm honestly excited to be a part of it in some way or another. Yeah. The specifics on that, I'm not sure. But I'm, I, I, I think we've already established from the core of who we are. We 
want to make a positive impact. When we go, whenever that is, we want to know that we gave it all we got to make the world a better place. Yeah. And this type of technology definitely shows huge potential to do so. It really does. And I, I, I think that one of the things, one of the indicators for me at least, and especially in the developed world, like where we live here in the United States and over in Europe and in the UK and other places as well, where they're concerned, they're wanting to put regulations on it. And I do understand in some respects, but when it comes to this currency is specifically the Bitcoin and its potential of what it could do to uplift people out of poverty. It's not just for people who are wealthy. It is not just for people who are doing business. It, is, it really truly has the ability to put um, one's own free will and control back into their hands mm-hmm. in a in a way that I'm not sure what else could. I really don't know, and and it does, and it's, it's. I can't think of another technology. I, I can't either. And, and to me, when when there are restrictions and there's like there are public freakouts where it's like economists say this will never work, mm-hmm. or it's you know government leaders saying no 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 we're going to ban this. Mm-hmm. To me, it just shows that there's a fear there of a lack of control. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of control there that people do do feel like. Maybe they they do deserve to be better than mm. others, and I don't like that. And I, mm-hmm. I want I mean, if we really truly want to uplift everyone, and we really truly believe in the American dream that everyone is equal, you come in, no big deal. You know, like wherever you, as long as you work really hard, yeah. it's all about meritocracy. Right. Well, then you should probably really lean into that as much as you can mm-hmm. and embrace whatever technology allows for true meritocracy and not mm-hmm. based on the color of your skin who you love or where you were born because we don't get to control that. Right. (laughs) And especially where you're born, you know, like, and to me, it's just an amazingly profound moment this year. I think for both of us, we're definitely obviously leaning into this based on what type of an impact this could really truly have. And And the world we want to see. It's just, it's awesome to see um, a young leader of a country that no one really thought about before this say, you know what? This could really change the world. This could change my country. Let's see it and embrace it. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Bitcoin Beach, and we'll see what happens with El Salvador. But Early days, for sure. Yep, so stay tuned. And we look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye.